0: Uh, my name's David. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome. We are glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, that, uh, anthem they just sang, it comes from a hymn. It's my favorite hymn and can it be, but it's really hard to sing, uh, the way it's written in the, in the hymnal. I like that version a lot better. So, um, but thank you, choir. That was beautiful. Um, as we, uh, as we, uh, get started. Before I get in the message, I just want to uh, highlight a couple things coming up if you want to look at the back of your little bulletin there. Uh, Donna mentioned the prayer service. Uh, We we have been trying to get our churches to do stuff together uh, since I've been here. This is the first one uh, where everyone else uh, agreed, and now i 'm going to be gone for a funeral, but um, so I need you all to go in my place i 've been saying uh, that if we do something, people will come but and it 's an important thing for that prayer service uh, next week the, the college uh, graduation that we 're doing uh, those kids there um, let 's be the body of Christ around, these kids came in uh, a couple of them uh, well there 's only two on the list but we have several kids in our college ministry who uh, were not Christian and didn't know the Lord. And this church has uh, become their church family and introduced them to uh, Jesus Christ. So let's uh, let's support them as well. Uh, confirmation is coming up on the 15th. We're going to have 30 kids on that list. I, I'm going to have a list of them next week. Uh, go buy a box of letters uh, for For that. We're going to have sacks out for them so that you can share an encouragement. This is a milestone for uh, that age group. And so looking forward to that. And on that Sunday, we'll be combining uh, the 9.30, 10.30, 11.30 worship into one. We're going to, we'll have the, the kneeling rail up here for confirmation and stuff. And with 30 kids, that's pretty much going to be the message. All right. So, um, uh, that's, that's what we're doing. Uh, the other reason we're not using the fellowship hall is because, uh, that afternoon, the 15th in the afternoon, we're having a retirement party for, uh, pastor Donna. So we uh, want you to have that on your radar and, uh, uh, we'll share some more information about that in the, in the coming days. Uh, but we you're going to want to be here for that as well. And then finally the 22nd we'll celebrate our high school uh seniors uh that are graduating and again you'll need some note cards. So uh go to Walmart or wherever you go to get that th- that stuff and uh let's let's uh allow the um when I've, everyone says we want kids in church so we got them now uh, let's show them love, all right? Okay. Uh, so we are continuing our series on He is Risen. Uh, this this fundamental and most important doctrine that we have, and and frankly, I think it's more than a doctrine. This reality that we get the privilege of living under. And so, with that, instead of just hitting it on the holiday and moving on, we are taking some time to to reflect on what the resurrection means. For us. And um, and so this morning we are going to uh, use a, a passage that many of you are very familiar with, especially if you've been on a walk to Emmaus. Um, a walk to Emmaus, if, if you don't know, is a four-day spiritual renewal uh, meant for people who already have a relationship with Christ as a way to sort of shift into the next gear. Uh, it has to do with worship, uh, the sacrament, um, uh, learning about God and experiencing God, uh, so that hopefully after that weekend and moving forward, you have a deeper relationship with with God. We haven't been able to host uh, one of those uh, in this community since COVID began. And we still don't have one on the books. I'm hearing rumors that that's coming. So uh, we'll keep you informed about that. Uh, We haven't had any out at Light on the Hill since COVID until this weekend. We have a men's walk out there right now. It's a different community. Uh, but, uh, it's been going well. After two years of not using those cabins, we were afraid toilet blow up or something, but no, no one has died. They're all doing well. So, uh, and, and we're excited that we're able to, um, host those again. Uh, but in that we get, uh, the, the story that that weekend is based on. And after we read it, I think you'll see the pattern of the happenings of this story is this walk with Jesus. Uh, how it uh, use uh, how that uh, how that weekend uses this as a model. So uh, we're going to be in Luke twenty four, beginning verse thirteen. That same day, two of Jesus's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, and as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God, and all the religious people and all the people, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. And then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body is missing and they had seen angels who told him Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body is gone just like the women said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into entering his glory and then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him. Stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen, and He's appeared to Peter. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. I'm going to try to share three points, three observations about Uh, this, this story. It happens the morning of the resurrection. As the text says, uh, they, the women had already come and let them know that the body was missing that they had, uh, for whatever reason, these guys who weren't a part of the eleven, but Jesus had influence beyond the twelve disciples, right? There's these circles of influence and relationship that he had. He had uh, James, Peter, and John, sort of the inner core uh, group that he had. He had the twelve disciples. He had a group of 77 that he had sent out, 70 that he had sent out to do. We read in Luke about sending them out. There was a group of 144 the next time he sent out on a missionary journey. There And beyond that, there were larger crowds that regularly followed him around and he had influence over. We're not sure where Cleopas and his friend fall in that. All we know is that they were close enough to the inner circle that they had heard the report that Jesus was was uh, missing, that he's gone. This uh, Again, This uh, this story is taking place prior to them knowing that he's raised from the dead. This is one of those in the middle situations where they know Jesus, they know what he taught, but the evidence before them is that he is gone. And as they are making their way, a seven-mile journey, they didn't have mass transit there. You didn't jump on a bus or train or get in your suburban or anything. They walked. And as they were walking, of course, they were talking about the events. Everyone was talking about the event. It had turned Jerusalem upside down. And they probably were wanting to get out of Jerusalem to get away from that. There was some fear amongst the followers that repercussions were going to continue against them now that Jesus was
1: out of the way. So as they're walking and talking, somebody joins them. And it's
0: Jesus, but they don't know that. It says, Luke shares with us, uh, the Lord kept them from seeing. Uh, Luke has the ability of hindsight. Luke is the most detailed of uh, of the Gospels. Uh, Luke was not one of the original followers of Jesus. He came to faith following the resurrection. And be, and then he is present in uh, much of the book of Acts, uh, which he wrote as well. Uh, Luke was a physician. He was well learned. Uh, he had writing ability. He was commissioned by a ruler to sort of historically document this. So he had he had gone back and interviewed uh, all the the suspects and all the families uh, and 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 all the stories he has he's getting from eyewitness accounts and everything. So with the hindsight, Luke is able to say the Lord didn't allow them to recognize him. But uh, this is now the second time we're reading that the risen Lord is not recognized by somebody close to him. Mary, Mary Magdalene, one of his closest friends, didn't recognize. She thought he was the gardener, right? And now these two guys that are in the inner inner circle, he joins in with them and they, they don't recognize him at all. My first point is, it's not just that they didn't recognize him. Uh, and with circumstances, we can understand that. But I want to say we we still spend much of our lives not recognizing the presence of Jesus in our life. Right? This, this is before Pentecost. This is before the giving of the Holy Spirit. That comes 40 days later. Uh, But with the Holy Spirit, uh, for those of us on that side of that event, any of us who have, uh, have become followers of Christ, he lives within us now through the power of his Holy Spirit. He is with us literally always everywhere. There's not a moment in time. There's not a second he turns his back. He is always with us in everything, through everything. He is with us. And yet,
1: we miss it all the time. He's right here right now. And you didn't have to come to church to
0: see him. He'll be in your car when you go there. He'll be he'll be with you on the golf course when you cuss. And any
1: golfer who doesn't cuss just isn't real. That's just He Wherever you go, whatever you do, he's with us. And yet, how many times do we do we question, God, where are you? Why didn't you? Why haven't you? Why wouldn't you? We 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 have he he lives
0: in us. They were they were they knew him, but They didn't recognize him. And I think some some of that is our our perception of who Jesus is and where he'll show up sometimes limits us seeing him. If we only think he's in church, then you're not going to see him in the workplace. If you only think he shows up in a time of trouble, then you're not going to see him in your times of celebration he's always with us and but just like those followers their expectation their experience their distraction their tragedy had shielded them from seeing what is it in our lives that gets in the way of us seeing what is it, what what expectations or experiences or tragedies or circumstances do we
1: have that keep us from seeing Jesus here and now? Well, he comes along and and he says, Hey, guys, what you talking about? And uh, (laughs) they look
0: at him like, What, have you been under a rock? Everyone knows what we're talking about. We're talking about this guy named Jesus. And this is one of those places that helps me think that God has a sense of humor. Jesus has a sense of humor, right? Hey guys, who are you talking about? Right? And and then they begin to explain Jesus to Jesus.
1: Right? <laughs> Still not recognizing him, but they they, they <laughs> What do you mean? You,
0: you, you haven't heard? There's this guy named Jesus. He's a prophet. He did miracles. He was one of the. He was a well-respected teacher. We, we actually thought he might be the Messiah. But the, the religious leaders were so jealous of him, they sensed, sentenced him to death, and he was he was crucified and buried. And and now we just got this report from the women uh, that he's missing. What, I mean, it's been crazy. I can't believe you don't know about this. And then Jesus goes, and and it comes off as chiding them, but I don't think he's chiding them. I think he's, I think he's just bemoaning our ignorance. And he says to them, "You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clear? Wasn't it clearly?" Uh, clearly present, predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into glory. They still don't know it's Jesus, but he's like, guys, you told me you're a follower of this guy named Jesus. And it's clear throughout Scripture, It, it, they didn't even have a New Testament there. It's, it's clear, go back to Genesis through the, the whole Bible. Everything in the Bible is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about unfolding who He is. And He says, why why do you guys have such a hard time believing this? Why would you miss it? It's clear. It's clear. And we stand on this side and we look back and we think, oh man, how could they not see? That Jesus was the Messiah. How could they not understand? How did the religious leaders get miss it and, and put Him to death? And, and the fact of the matter is that we're not much different than that because we like to skip the hard part of the Scriptures as well. We don't like hard. We like the comforting part of Scripture. We like the encouraging part
1: of Scripture. But those things that push on our buttons, well, that's maybe the Baptists believe that, but not us, right? We, we, we don't like things that challenge us. Frankly, most of us <clears throat> read
0: the Bible and practice our religion in a way to confirm what we already believe. We just, we, we just want to, to have the pat on the back. It's much like the political landscape now and the division in that. We live in echo chambers, right? It, depending on what, what uh, flavor you enjoy, or I don't know if enjoy, I think some of you enjoy it. it whatever flavor you, you enjoy it dictates which news channel you watch. And when you watch that, all you hear are things that, that uh, back up what you already believe about the world. And we, we have become so enamored with our echo chambers that now we can't hear a dissenting voice without turning against them in anger and thinking not only that they're wrong, but that they're stupid and bad, right? And unfortunately, that's the way a lot of us approach Scripture as well where Scripture is challenging to us. And if you read the Scripture with an eye toward who God is calling us to be, we are lacking in many, many ways. The whole reason Christ had to die is because we're so broken and so simple. Our natural ways the things that we naturally do, those thoughts that we naturally have, oftentimes go against the grain of Scripture. The people then, they couldn't hear about a Messiah who would like, who would have to die because they preferred the version of the conquering hero who was going to run the Romans out of the country. That's the version they liked. So that's what they believed in. We like a version of Christianity in which we're all the good people and they're all the bad people and we have permission
1: not to interact with the bad people. That's not what the Scriptures say. We can, you can know everything about Jesus and miss who Jesus is. Do you hear me? You, you you can. I mean, they're telling Jesus about himself.
0: (laughs) Oh, he was a teacher. He did miracles. I mean, they know Jesus.
1: They know him, but they couldn't see him. And they didn't listen to him. They, they missed it. And folks, religious, religious thinkers, religious people,
0: are at most risk for this. Because again.
1: We're not looking to be challenged. We're looking to have affirmed what we already think and believe. That's not thats not why Christ died for us.
0: If He was so happy with our thoughts, He wouldn't have had to go to the cross. My ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways, God said. It... it in that they miss, and because of that now evidence they they were living evidence they, they he's gone, we thought he was the Messiah, but you can't have a dead messiah,
1: and he's dead I mean, the women told us he's not in the grave, but who listens to women and i mean it, and at that time they they their belief was that someone had stolen the body. And who follows a God who's going to have hard things like dying and rising?
0: It wasn't just all the Scripture that laid it out. It was Jesus Himself taught it over and over and over. Who do they say I am? Oh, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're right. And because of that, the Son of Man has to die and then He'll be raised up three days later. Oh, not on our watch, Jesus. Well, get behind me, Satan. Peter, uh, he said to Peter, he taught that over and over. I'm going to have to die. The son of man is going to have to die. I'm going to have to, I'm going to tear down temple. I'll raise it again three days later. Over and over. He taught them, but he, they just thought it was a, a metaphor because in their mind, they were, they were planning what seat of parliament they were going to have when he took power over the government. That was the version of the story of Jesus that they were, that's why even the night, of the upper room. James and John are fighting with Peter over who's more important. And right before that, they had their mommy come ask if they could be the have the right and left seat on Jesus' uh throne.
1: They missed what he was doing because the story of Jesus isn't, hey, let's let's come on, join me and we'll have fun together. That's not the story. The story
0: has come to me. I'll make your life have meaning and purpose. And I'll give it the joy that you can't have anywhere else. But don't make a mistake. It's still going to be. hard. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. In this world, you'll have many troubles, but take heart. I've conquered the world. It was a teaching he made all the time. But just like them, we we don't like that
1: part of the story. Can we get to the part where we're happy? Some bright morning and I'll fly away, right? That that's what we want.
0: There's my singing, Haley. <laughs> that's why
1: I'm not in the choir. You're welcome. Right? That's the version we want. But the real version's better. Because we don't have to wait till some bright morning to fly away. Because we can have purpose and meaning. Now, even in the midst of bad circumstances and disappointment and difficulty. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. I took my thing out. Dang it. Here we go. Matthew 13. Um,
0: I'm going to read a few verses before what comes on the screen. This is, G- Jesus always talked in parables and taught in parables. And at, at one point, the disciples are like, dude, just get to the point. What's, what's with the stories? Just tell us what you mean. Why do you always use in stories? And before this, he says, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This is why I use parables. Here we are. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. He's quoting from Isaiah 6, 8, and 9, uh, in which uh, God is saying these people, us people, we have hard hearts and we don't listen. And even when we listen, we don't understand that we miss it. And, And it's what's taking place here. Cleopas and his friend know Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. You know, part of the problem is the language we use in the church right we we sort of use the question to to- qu- qualify you as a christian as of do you believe in jesus as if that's the standard by which well, yes, that is part of it, but no, it's not head knowledge I, I, the the Pharisees that put Jesus to death had head knowledge about Jesus. They they had a biography on it. It's not believing, and the the original scriptural world word did not just mean a head knowledge as well. It was a lifestyle. It was a, an immersion. It was an experience. What what knowing Jesus is not just about how many Bible studies you do or how many times you come to church. It it's about and it's about an experiential knowledge that you have a, a living with and abiding with Him. That that. That he's after. There, there's a there's a, a switch of language it's th- that that happens in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, uh, the the concept of God is with us was fundamental. Right? You can see that, like in the story of the Exodus, uh, when they're going through the desert, p- pillar of fire, the tabernacle built in the middle of camp. It was symbols that God is with us. God is with us. He's always with us. His presence is with us. And he's still with us, but in the New Testament, and Paul introduced this language, it's in many of his, his uh, letters, it's, it's really, uh, you can miss it, but it's just two words. He changes it to in us. Christ is in us. He's not just with us, he's in us. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. Right, it, it's this transformation from who I was to who He is. It's not just that God's out there, in me or around me that you know, and we we can miss that all the time. But He's in me. That's that's the relationship Jesus wanted. And at this point, Cleopas and his friend knew about Jesus, but He wasn't in them
1: yet. And in that. You're left with disillusionment and pain and grief. Well, they, if I ever wanted to be a part of a Bible study, I would have wanted to be in on this one. He then it
0: says that Jesus then uh, on the walk, went back to the scriptures, the books of Moses, so that's the Torah starting in Genesis, took him back to Genesis. And then walked them through all this, the, the Torah and the prophets, and pointed out all the ways that Scripture pointed at him. And they still didn't recognize him. <laughs> That's still, it seems like at some point they would have gone,
1: Wait a minute, who are you? But, no, oh, this guy knows the Scripture. All right. But, but he unfolded. I'm the center point. Of what God's doing, I'm the focal point.
0: I'm the foundation. That's why you need a relationship where you don't just know me; you need me in you, because I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I, I am the I. I am above all, in all, through all. Everything about our faith is about Jesus. That is who He. That, that's who He needs to be in our life. There's no other category of, of Christian belief other than Jesus is the linchpin. And we need to read Scripture in a way that is not just trying to affirm what we already believe, but in a way that helps us to see the Jesus that is revealed in Scripture. Old Testament, New Testament. It will change how you read the Bible if you'll read it with this lens, especially the Old Testament. You can get caught in the violence and and war and all of that kind of stuff. Read it with an eye to what is this telling me about who Jesus is and who I need
1: to be. So they finally, they get to Emmaus, to their destination. They're going in. Jesus sort of
0: feigns. Well, I'm going to go on. It's been good talking with you all. And they said, no, come on,
1: uh, we'd, we'd like you to stay for dinner and stay the night with us. So they go in, and uh, I hope you have your elements. We'll need them here in a minute. And by the way, if you're new to this church, you are
0: welcome to fully participate with us in Holy Communion regardless of your church membership, regardless of your age, anyone and everyone who has an interest in in knowing and experiencing Christ, you are inviting. You're invited to participate with us. So as they go in and sit down, Jesus does a ritual that he had just introduced four days previous. I don't think Cleopas and his friend were there. They weren't part of the 11 or 12. So that he's introducing this to a new crowd, but the same ritual. It's a ritual that uh, churches around the world have practiced for thousands of years. We call it a sacrament, a holy moment, a means of grace. it's, It's this thing that goes beyond the elements that moves
1: the people who participate in it closer to the author of it, which is Jesus. There's four basic movements of every communion service. Take, bless, break, share. Take, bless, break, share. And as they were seated, it says Jesus took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and then he shared it. And at the moment he shared it, they saw Jesus. It's like the scales came off of their eyes.
0: The, the religious thought, the doubt that they had, the, the fear that they had, the anxiety, the depression, the grief, while all those things, that fell off and they could finally see what was right in front of them. It's, I'm reminded of, of Paul in, in Scripture. Paul, very religious, very religious. But he was sure Jesus could not be the Messiah. He could not be the risen Lord. The risen Lord met him on the road to Damascus, struck him blind. He went literally blind. Jesus spoke with him. It changed his life. The scales fell off and then he could see clearly. And from that point on, he gave his entire life to
1: Jesus. There's something in the practice of this meal that Jesus has instituted
0: using Hawaiian bread and Welch's grape juice or
1: stale wafers and to-go juice where the veil gets pulled back and we are reminded that God is closer than we thought. As we go through life, we can be so like just beat down. That we forget God is with us and in us. That we forget that Christ dwells
0: within us. That we forget that He loves us. That we forget that there's a hope of
1: resurrection. And in moments like this, as the veil is drawn back, His presence can just be overwhelming.
0: We've been doing communion this way for a while, and we're, we're not too far from getting back to normal communion. And, and I miss it. There's something about, it, for any of you that have had the privilege of sharing, there's it's something beyond like handing out
1: a bulletin at church. It, it, how many times have I stood in, with tears in my eyes,
0: overwhelmed by the presence, or watching folks come forward with tears in their eyes? And it's not because they're, sad it 's because they 're overwhelmed by the presence of God that he pulls the veil back and he'll do it he 'll do it in many ways it's, this isn 't the only way you did, this, but this is one of those he invites us to to practice it 's why it 's such a holy moment in our churches. It's why we, 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 we sort of set it aside uh, to be practiced with, with dignity and regularity and, and, and to take care of how we practice it because it is one of those holy moments. As we get ready to, to do that, my, my prayer for us this
1: morning is that as the veil is drawn back, you will be aware of the presence of God. That, that Jesus that died on the cross, that Jesus,
0: that the guys found out when they returned to Jerusalem that He really was risen from the dead. Even after, he, as soon as they, they shared the bread, he, he, he disappears because they recognize Him. And then they say, man, wasn't our heart just burning the entire time He was
1: talking to us? I want you leaving with heartburn this morning. And not from the bad wafer you're about to receive. But from the presence of a a roaring inferno of God that loves you very much. Jesus, night he was with his disciples and then that afternoon with Cleopas and his friend (coughs) took bread, blessed the bread, Broke the bread and shared it with them. We recognize that it's His body broken for us. Whenever we eat it, we should remember Him. Took the cup and blessed it. I drink from this, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink of it, remember me. So pray with me. Gracious God, because of our unbelief, because of our distractions, because of our grief, because of circumstances, just because of our stubbornness, we don't always see you. You go out of our way to get our attention. You are not hiding from us. We see you in the beauty of the thunderstorm last night, in the sound of rain hitting the roof, in the hands of a baby added to our family, in the eyes of the spouse that you led us to. in the everyday recognition that our lives are better than we deserve. And yet we don't see You. Oh God, we we want to see You. We want the scales to fall from our eyes. We want to live in constant awareness of who You are and who You call us to be. As we get ready to share in these elements, would you make these wafers
0: your body broken for us? And this juice your blood shed for us so that we
1: can be the world, be for the world your body and blood? Come, Holy Spirit. Blood over us. Fill us so that we can share. outside these doors with others that need to know about your love. And we pray
0: this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray by saying, Our Father,
1: who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
0: Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom
1: and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you want to take the wafer, the body of Christ broken for you. And then the juice, the blood of Christ shed for you.